0: So Fair it's enough. Pills, Victor, Eric. We're here to reflect on our phenomenology series. Maybe some other things will come up. But we kind of wanted to get to basics a little bit and say, compare this to other maybe forms of self-help self psychology or what this does a little bit differently. And we have an article written by some psychologists about the Tourette's phenomenon or Tourette's-like phenomenon among uh, 19-year-old TikTok users. And we're going to try to see what what we can get crossover with uh, phenomenology and psychological accounts of uh, what's going on. Yeah, like when you
1: say self-help, I mean, maybe we could start with that. I don't know if you want to start with that, but I think that's... Yeah, go for it. I mean, mean, immediately when you said that, I was thinking to myself, you know, in what way is phenomenology like self-help? And I guess like one obvious difference... I think is like ph- phenomenology like at its purest really is not prescriptive at all right like I mean phenomenology at its purest is really descriptive right it's 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 just it's it's giving the a, a precise meticulous account of the phenomena of experience um and I think then from that it's up to you that you can der- you can, I think it's up to you and you can certainly derive a lot of things and I can say from my own experience of studying phenomenology you know whether it's Merleau-Ponty or even you know the more kind of uh, hermeneutic phenomenology of Heidegger, like I, I do remember deriving quite a lot of um, insights. And I think even at the time, you know, I could share a personal example. <clears throat> this was more with with phenomenology that, you know, learning the, the structure of habit and the way that, you know, once <clears throat> once you pu- push yourself, you exert yourself to do something, um, how eventually you get to this point where. The world will just solicit you to do that thing and it will no longer require as much effort and there was a time uh when i first was doing my undergrad in like the the 2008 2009 started reading phenomenology and at that point i i used to weigh around 340 pounds back then i was i was a, a much larger lad and i will say that phenomenology like thinking it through did help me to push myself into exercising regular, regularly because it kind of gave me a certain kind of faith that once I got to the other side, um, then I would be. it would be much easier to keep it up. It's just you have to get through that first month, two months, three months, and then it becomes part of your routine. And I can say to this day, I do 30, 40 minutes on a stationary bike every day, and I can't not do it. It feels like I'm not showering if I don't do it it's like it's like a requirement now it's like my whole world I feel incomplete if I don't do it you know to the point where even when I first started dating my girlfriend she would get so annoyed with me that I wouldn't want to sleep over like for too many days in a row because I would want to get back to to be able to do my exercise otherwise I didn't feel like myself you know um so that's I mean one kind of very narrow way in which it can be self-help but I guess I mean there's also an interesting question about like what do we mean when we say self-help like we see self-help books right and some of them are based on scientific research a lot of them aren't a lot of them is just like some quack telling people like what what helped them and there's obviously different realms there's self-help when it comes to money well-being happiness um, so I don't know. I mean, I've I've said a lot. So maybe one of you can react. Yeah, one of the things I got out of that was that if you walk
2: downstairs into your living room and you see an exercise bike there, you're doing pretty well with Victor, I think. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I I, I think I, I think.
0: Uh, all you so, need to just sleep with, Victor, uh, is to have an exercise bike. <laughs>
1: so anyone out there Usually yeah. it's
2: like beer in the fridge or something like that. No, it's an exercise bike here.
1: It's uh, Actually, what helped in the summer was I really got into just cycling in the city. There's a lot of great cycling places in Toronto. And uh, yeah, anyway.
0: Well, anyone who's on, on Tinder that. in Toronto, just have a
2: picture of your exercise I'm bike. I'm right now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I I definitely came out of like adolescence with all kinds of all kinds of issues around depression and attention deficit disorder and things like that. And you know, I think academia really helped me. Just just I mean, I I initially was in psychology, uh, not just because I was interested in it, but because I I wanted to figure out sort of what was going on in my own head. And and I found even just the attempt to understand and being proactive about it was really helpful but naturally as you go on in academia and you start to find the things that you're interested in you start to want to pass those things down rather than you know the stuff you kind of picked up early and maybe eventually decided that it wasn't for you so phenomenology is one of those things i think for me and and definitely merleau ponty's phenomenology has been a ride unlike a much unlike you know Husserl and Heidegger, Ponty's phenomenology seems really, uh, applicable in a, uh, if we're going to, in scare quotes, a self-help context.
0: Yeah. I think, I I think I I, I mentioned uh, the the self-help term once in our, in our group message, which is kind of why we're talking about it. And I more meant it as why this is an alternative to, you know, pop self-help because I think it can serve some of the same purpose. And since we're just, uh, you know, airing out all of our psychological uh, handicaps here. I have a rather depressive personality, not to say that I'm depressed, but my sort of mood is a little bit... uh... I never
1: noticed that. Oh, yeah,
0: okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. You've been duped by my cheery disposition. (laughs) No, but I... I, When I was studying... I was first introduced to this years ago, and philosophy always... Is about these like, for me at least, these grand frames of meaning and frames of reference, and the loss of this and modernity and disenchantment. So that exposure to that kind of philosophy so frequently was really getting me down, and then mix that with stuff in personal life, and I was like in a huge funk, a depressive funk, and that was my first experience with this, which is kind of why I say phenomenology is first philosophy because instead of these historic shifts and the loss of meaning and disenchantment in the world this was like pay attention to the thing that you're paying attention to so this always serves as my touchstone when we're doing this political philosophy or or the history of ideas and in a way that is triggering to that sort of uh Mopiness or the or the bad mood that comes with it this is my touchstone because no matter what's wrong with the world no matter what we can't change about the world this is your zone of control that you have power over and it's so easy to forget i think that's why this is so important to cover is because it's so easy to forget that you forget that you can go back to that solid place a solid place where um, the meaning is in the world. It's not in this grand historical schema or
1: whatever else it is that we're usually kind of looking for. Yeah, that's well put. Uh, I, I I strongly agree with that. You know, I was also thinking a little bit about Rick Roderick, you know, those lecture series on YouTube that have been going around for a while. He has, he has one that's about, um, Something about the self. It's like the self under siege is like one of the yeah, is, is one right. of the series. And he has a lecture on different major kind of continental thinkers. They're all about 45 minutes each. And I remember I still remember um, he, his one on Heidegger um, in that same series of like the, the self under siege. Um, He made a pretty impassioned uh, kind of argument for why he thought that Heidegger's approach to hermeneutic phenomenology is also could be also framed in this kind of self-help way. And, you know, he talks specifically in that context, I think, about like being towards death. Um, And like and Dasein's thrownness and kind of like the existential structure of Dasein as this kind of contingency of being towards the future, you know, uh, and and like and then the whole thing about authenticity of kind of like this anticipatory resoluteness that you can like kind of like deliberately throw yourself into some task. Um, But of course, it's always like these fleeting moments. But one of the things that he said was like, you know, when you kind of realize, I guess the existential structure of Dasein, and you realize that everybody else is suffering from the same existential structure of Dasein, it's like all of a sudden certain things that you have anxiety about don't matter anymore, right? Like certain things about like, I don't know, I think the example he uses maybe like public speaking, if you're like anxious about something like that, or getting in front of people or talking to them, when you realize, well, everyone else has the same existential structure, Dasein is, you know, it's like, these things, it it gives you a perspective on your life where you're like, well, why am I wasting my time kind of like worrying about this? Why am I wasting my time? And, and, you know, I think for him and I think that's, that's persuasive to me. So, Yeah, yeah, I think that,
2: you know, you, you'd think that a philosophy that, that reminds you that you're going to die is, is something that might not be quite as uplifting, but you know, I guess I guess the case in Roderick is is interesting because he's always referring to people who are like eating soybeans and running on Stairmasters and things like that. Everyone <laughs> doing. oh Yeah, that is the example. I forgot about that. Yeah. Basically, people doing everything they can do to not die, to not age, to stave off illness, to to, to basically put themselves in a kind of health bubble. And it's it's really not like I mean, that
1: that way of being is, is in a way, even more fucked up. Or, than... or maybe spending 40 minutes a day on a stationary bike. It's like hey, a waste of life. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> you are the last man, Victor. <laughs>